All right, you football-loving maniacs. I know you how much you missed us. We are here. We're here to stay. Just a little bye week, okay? Everybody needs to rest their legs every once in a while. And as I said on Twitter, and yes, that was me who said it on Twitter, if you're not a fan of it and the fact that we took a bye week, tough Tulsa Roughnecks for you. It's Tyler Terrence, it's Devin Kerr. We're without Sam Stockley. He's at a Development Academy showcase in San Diego. But I do have Devin. And Devin, I can't tell you how much I miss you, how much I miss being on this pod, because I haven't actually been on the pod with you in upwards of three weeks now. So this is uh, this has been a long time coming here, and I'm just I'm just glad to be to be doing this. We're recording at 9:05 a.m. on a Tuesday, June 25th. How are we feeling over there? I'm good, buddy. And you can throw that load right out the window because I know you don't give a crap about me and whether or not I'm on this thing. But what do you? That's your ability that's to convey that to the general public really means that you do care. So I don't know. Maybe there's a uh, a seed that's been planted. And the difference is, is what do we do with that seed, Tyler? In in the words of 40-year-old Virgin, and I don't want to really get into it all that much right now, um, and I'm going to stay away from that just so Alex doesn't have to deal with it. Can we make a pact at the beginning of this episode that there will be no swearing so that so that we can help out our producer tonight? Can we make that promise, or is there no way that we can stick to that? I don't feel comfortable making that promise. I will say this. I will try my absolute best. Because, look, man. You know my my verbal animosities, and I don't get to swear on air, so I basically live, we, excuse me, basically live 80 to 85% of our lives in a world with perfect vocabulary. That's not fair. That's not fair to anybody. You have to be able to express yourself in a more appropriate manner sometimes, and sometimes, yes, it deals with vulgarity. I don't know when it's going to be. Right now would be the perfect time, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> per- perfect vocabulary? Is that what you're calling? Is that what you're calling your work now? No, I said, I said, we live in a world. I'm not saying uh, I'm, I'm part of that world. I'm far from that world. If anything, <laughs> if anything, I'm climbing a ladder to hopefully one day be in sight of that world. Right now, I'm just hanging out in the depths of the, you know, the dungeon, just chilling with you. You're, but I'm having a good time about, doing it. You're talking about seeds. You're talking about being inside of worlds. Um, you, you've been away from this a bit too long. And to be completely honest, I, I may have to reel you back in uh, at, at various no. points throughout this show. No. No, we're good. Okay. We're good. I promise. All right. So we, we have we have a lot to cover. Um, you know, I hate to I hate to do this to what I, I believe it is week number 16 or week number 15. I think we might just have to sort of bypass that and, and take it at face value. And, you know, the football loving maniacs know exactly what happened in week 15. But we have week 16 to take a look at. And please correct me if I'm wrong with the weeks again, um, because, as you know, the, the amount of games that we've had recently has been. Uh, a, a little bit, a little bit dizzying uh, is, is a good word to, to use there. But um, you know, I'm looking at a, a June 22nd. Is that okay with you as, as to where we're going to start to to make some ground back up and, and provide the football loving maniacs with what they want, which is crap analysis of, of all of this? So I'm good with that. Uh, just so you know, from for the viewer standpoint, is that week 16 technically started. Stay with me on this one for Wednesday night soccer, which was a special edition on Tuesday night soccer, which is no longer known as game of the week, which would be June 18th, Phoenix at Reno, and also Friday, June 21st. If you're going to bypass those, that's fine. You just got to let me know. No, so uh, I'm I'm glad that you brought those games up because we definitely are going to hit on that. So what what was it like to take place in in a game that was called Wednesday night soccer, but was called, but was on a special edition of, of the Tuesday night? I mean, that must have been you know, sort of like an oxymoron-filled utopia for you. That must have been really exciting. It, it was dizzying. It was confusing. It was exciting. You know, you're in an, like you said, you're in an alternate realm. And basically, you take the timeline that is the future, the present, and we just segued off of it. And it was weird. I mean, there were there were wipes in and out of replays. Exciting, exciting things for formerly Game of the Week, now Wednesday Night Soccer, which is on a Tuesday Night Soccer edition. So for what you're basically saying is that the production from our friends over in Reno wasn't exactly uh, up to snuff, I guess we'll call it. I'll tell you what, man. It's, so I want to be very clear. This has nothing to do with teams in general. It's just the idea. And I understand you have to deal with the resources that are at hand for you. But it's really frustrating for almost every Wednesday night soccer game we've had this year. Again, formerly known as Game of the Week, and today they're on baseball fields, man. And 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 I had back-to-back games where the field affected the run of play. You were on the second one, which we'll get to in a minute, the Fresno San Antonio game. But like, I get it. Like you're you're putting these teams out, and 
Some places only have certain venues available, but it's frustrating to watch. The field is more narrow. There are some teams that get it right. There are some teams that just manage. I don't know if you can get it right, to be honest. It's just frustrating because it's like the game is not meant to be played like this. This is not how it's meant to be played. And interestingly enough, and we're not going to say the dollar amount, but every single team that plays in a baseball stadium gets fined every game. So if you, you know, 10 games, 12 games, 15 games, that starts to add up. It affects the salary cap, your operating budget. And that's just frustrating to me. And regardless, Phoenix going to Reno, three, nothing. They were in control for about 85% of the game. Professional performance. Once again, uh, a team that just continues to click and then go to the Friday game. Um, San Antonio at Fresno skip past the opening 45 minutes. Tyler woke up at halftime as did I, and that field was actually you and I are getting ready to go on air. And they said to us, yeah, we might, we might be delayed because of the field conditions. Well, what's wrong with the field conditions? Well, the sod didn't take properly. So there's guys out on the field rolling this thing even deeper. And we're looking at each other like, if it's not good now, what's it going to be in five minutes? That's like, that's like, three, two. Who, that, that's like the kid who has no idea what the test is on. And he starts cramming like five minutes before the test, before he goes into class. And yeah. it's like, Dude, dude, you're not going to learn anything in between now and then. Nothing, no. nothing is going to happen. There are three options nothing in that situation. Positive. Not that I'm promoting any of them, but there's three options. You cheat off someone next to you, you make a cheat sheet, or you just deal with what you have. You're not going to remember. The, the recall on that is going to be null and void, basically, at that point in time. So pick another viable option. Fresno did. And I promise they, you. And they won. Yeah. <laughs> and I promise you that that you know, 11th grade chemistry exam is not going to be the end-all or be-all of what you choose to be in this life. So... I want to I want to stick on the the topic of baseball fields just for a second here because it is it is relevant and um, I would say a team that probably gets it right from a baseball field standpoint within the championship I would say New Mexico is is the closest thing for it to being you know just sort of like a level playing field pardon the pun um, you know the worst I, I would by far and away say is Louisville um, and I cannot tell you how excited I am. The fact that Louisville is going to have their new stadium in Butchertown, you know, the, the club that has been dominating this league for years. And I'm not just talking about the one where they got to the USL, where they won two USL Cubs, but even going back to, um, you know, the one where they lost in the Eastern Conference Finals to New York Rebels, too. I mean, this is a club that's been there in the last few weeks of the season every single year. It's a football crazed town, and now they're finally going to have a soccer specific stadium. Indy 11, same thing. They're going to get out of Lucas Oil Stadium, and they're going to be where they're supposed to be. Now, I will say this, for future teams that are coming in, and I know all of them are going to be listening to this podcast eagerly, and it goes with the MLS <laughs> as well, you should not be coming into this league in a, in a temporary capacity. You should not be coming into this league without a plan. Let me say that one more time. You should not be coming into this league, and I will also say Major League Soccer, in a temporary capacity. One of the biggest things that's causing Inter-Miami headaches right now is the fact that they're going to open up this stadium in Lockhart. They still have no idea where their permanent stadium is going to go. They're still waiting for all of that red tape to be cleared. You know, it's, it'll, be, it'll be a really, really big surprise to me if they're able to put on, you know, a home game at, at Lockhart, or the, the new Lockhart, whatever it's going to be in that time. In the USL Championship, there are teams that are coming into temporary conditions and, you know, coming into baseball fields or whatever it might be. Some, that's just going to be their home, you know, for New Mexico, I, I just imagine this is going to be their home, and, and that's okay because it is second division in the United States, and we sort of have to take a, a hard look in the mirror. And, Devin, I know that you do this more than one time throughout the day. Take a hard look in the mirror and just say, okay, this is us. You know, like we, we are second division in the United States. Not everybody's going to be able to have a soccer-specific stadium to, at their disposal, and that's okay. But at least try to make the playing conditions, you know, somewhat bearable. You know, Louisville is, is tough to watch, and every coach that we talk to who goes to play at Louisville – is, you know, I remember, you know, talking to Ryan Martin from Loudoun United, he was like, it's no secret, you know, why they're back-to-back champions. You know, they do a lot of good stuff, and obviously they, they're a great team, but, boy, it, that's a tough place to play. And he's not wrong. So, Dude, how many, you know, how many just, times have you and I talked about the final last year? Yeah. And who, who, was hit, who was hitting it? Was Barlow hitting the penalty? No, it was Lima. It was Chris Lima from New York Rebels, too. Chris Lima hitting the penalty, final. which would have been was – it was either the game tire or the go-ahead – Slip sales over the I mean, it changed the entire, it was a go ahead and it changed the entire complexion of the game. I mean, it's, it's insane. And, and look, we're, we're not going after teams here that are existing. It's just, it's hard. I mean, dude, 
guys on the Louisville squad will tell you like they, they will tailor their game at certain points in time to go after areas of the field. To be fair, you're dumb not to. I mean, if you've got a baseball field where there's sod and, and plenty of them do there's sod three to five feet in front of a goalkeeper. Yeah. Pound the ball at them, have strikes from distance. Let, let that thing drop on them. But, but to your point, I think you're probably right. Louisville's worse. Cause I'm just looking at them. I'm like, you know, Reno here. I see that Louisville's there. Um, keep uh, Birmingham, but you don't need, like you said, like everybody doesn't have the finances to be able to do their own stadium. I get that. But look at Phoenix rising. I promise you like, yes, that, that costs money to put together. But at the same point in time, that's not, it's not like they're building from scratch. I mean, they're a lot of their stuff is shipping containers. I mean, legitimate and which is really, really cool. I mean, you've seen it utilized in other areas of the world with, um, homes like that and ship and swimming pools above ground swimming pools, which are super neat. Google that after. And, <laughs> but I'm saying it's like you and I took a good look at that place and look, the broadcast booth is nothing. It's, it's a watchtower over an old school football field. I felt like bear Bryant, but it was good enough <laughs> to get the job done. You know what I mean? And it's the stands. Yeah. They weren't, they weren't reinventing the wheel. They're metal stands, which from an acoustic standpoint is awesome because it starts to reverberate around the entire stadium. And then you've got bars, you've got souvenir things, all of which are made out of shipping crates. I understand it still costs money, but it's nothing compared to building what Louisville is building. Again, I'm not saying what Louisville is doing wrong. I love the Butchertown Stadium. You and I saw the site. We're now, we've seen the renderings. We've seen the progress. That's, that's the end goal if you can. But when you come in and it's, to your point, half you know what, donkey's rear end, then see, I didn't curse there. It just sets a precedent. And then it's, and it's like one thing after another, after another. And let's, let's tie this all into one Beckham and everything that's going on with into Miami. He's gone. Not sure if you know, but he officially sold his shares to um, Jorge and Jose Mas. He's done. He's out. That's, that's, a, that's official. That's official. He's done. Sold it. Who, who reported that? Cause I know that there was some DS reporting coming out from AS. Uh, I saw something on USA today. I remember AS was in there. But I've heard from multiple places that that's done. Here's NBC Sports. Oh man. Um, but then I'm there's also bombs on me. so then here's here's local ten and Yahoo and local ten are saying no. NBC AS yes. Um, All right. So, here's so another, before here's you another break football news, app. Before you break news, before you break news on this podcast. <laughs> okay. Well, let me say this then. All right. I'll, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll make this easier. Regardless of, I'm with you on this one. Regardless of if the news is right or wrong, the situation is still wrong. It's, it's yes. insane that coming in, this team has been a runaway train from the beginning, a team that you and I would give our left arm to be a part of. And it has been a runaway train from the beginning to the point where this team, as you and I are talking right now, will begin training camp in less than seven months. There's no stadium. There's no official training no. grounds. There's no players. No coach. There's no players. There's no coach. Like, so, I mean, I, I get it where the league, what the league is trying to do, but why not take a page, whether you like them or not, why not take a page out of Nashville's book and say, Hey, let's push it back a year. Because if people remember Nashville was supposed to start in the MLS with FC Cincinnati this year, and they were running behind and they were, they weren't as much of a dumpster fire as inner Miami is, but things were getting away from them. And now they've stepped off of it and they've taken time. And you and I have chatted with Gary Smith multiple times. And he's like, look, it's, this is difficult. You know, we're going from, it's something crazy, like 30 employees to 130 and you're getting a stadium and you're getting a new organization. I mean, there's a million things going on. Yeah. You want to put a product out there. Why not just take a breath for a second here? Let's do it the right way. Just because you've been given the opportunity to do something doesn't mean you have to jump at it. And I think that's the direction we're headed in with a lot of this stuff, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I, and I like that point, you know, about, you know, going from 30 employees to 130. Listen, this is, you know, a franchise in the USL championship is upwards of about $10 million. And then, you know, the, the franchise in, in major league soccer that you want to buy, if you are going to be interested in that sort of thing is, is upwards of what now it, it two, 200 the next, million. The next round is at 200 million. The next round is at 200 million. So that's a big, you know, valuation change. And, you know, it's a complete overhaul and we understand that. And Phoenix, again, is a, is a great point. It's a, it's a pop-up stadium. It sort of looks like you know, it sort of looks like what you would see at a at a major golf tournament, right? You know, it just sort of looks like that they're going to be there for, you know, a, a little while, you know, four days, you know, exaggerated here. Um, and then they pick up and then they move on. Although Phoenix, you know, have done an excellent job and they have plans for, for bigger and better things. But that it, it's working right now. It's working compared to other things in the league. But we digress and, um, you know, we'll keep it moving. We'll keep the train moving, as it were. 
And Fresno, San Antonio, 3-1-2 Fresno. Is they're able to get the job done against the San Antonio side that continues to struggle? 3-2. 3-2. What did I say? You 3-1-2 Fresno. They won 3-2. That's what I said. You said 3-1. You said 3-1-2 you no, no, Fresno. I, you go back and listen to the audio. Just because you and I were both sleeping <laughs> in the first half, don't blame it on me. And Fresno, San Antonio, 3-1-2 Fresno. All right, fair enough. So a definite moment in the in the first half. Apparently there was there may or may not have been a goal, but either way there were five goals in the second half. So you do the math. All right, Tampa Bay Rowdies and Bethlehem Steel. That game was back at Goodman Stadium. Boy, I was so glad to see those nice lines and, and the bowl of Goodman Stadium in the Lehigh Valley. It was really really special, but not a special result for Brendan Burke's boys as they fall by a score of two to one to Neil Collins' lads. Indy 11, 1-0 over Atlanta United 2 at Lucas Oil Stadium. Not pretty, but they get the job done. How about the Charlotte Independence back under the tutelage of Mike Jeffries going to Slugger Field and getting a result, baby? That is the Charlotte that we all know and love that has been missing for quite some time. But Mike Jeffries, Dom Oduro, Enzo Martinez are here to stay 1-1 against the two-time defending champions. Pittsburgh Riverhounds embarrassed New York Rebels 2 at high mark by a score of three to nil. Charleston Battery and Swole Park Rangers draw 1-1. Not a great look for Mike Anhauser's boys against the Swole Park team that has been less than impressive. Jimmy Nielsen continues to get it done, even on the road at BBVA against Birmingham Legion. That finishes by a score of two to two. Nashville, another draw in a game that you should have won. 3-3 against Ottawa Fury. And I will say this, the goals from Ottawa were, were delectable. I mean, Cristiano Francois' finish was nice, and then Walfall's equalizer late was beautiful. Six goals split right down the middle. Another game, another dollar, another point. Orange County fall to Portland Timbers 2, 2 to nil at home. Not a good look, Orange County. But as we said it, Western Conference, even if you're going to be in 16th place at this point in the season, like San Antonio is, three points and you're basically vying for a playoff spot again. So, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Only time will tell. St. Louis FC, Sam Fink, the hero on Wednesday night against FC Cincinnati. He's the hero again. Scores the equalizing goal from the penalty spot. North Carolina FC gave them everything that they had and then some you thought that they might come away with three points. They could not as St. Louis FC literally just claw their way to a point at home, suffering from a bit of a Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup hangover, but still able to get a point. Real Monarchs, 2-1 over the fighting Steve Trichus in the Colorado Springs switchbacks at altitude. Excuse me, not at altitude. We apparently get a lot of crap for saying at altitude in places that also have altitude, so I know that Utah is also at altitude, so I'm going to stay away from the altitude comment, even though I already made the altitude comment. But regardless, the game was at altitude, and the team who plays at higher altitude lost to the team that plays at lower altitude. Monarchs 2-1 over the switchbacks. I got to say something here. I'm sorry. (laughs) I got to say something. I got to say something. Because I'm tired of this shit from the fans. And, yes, I'm going to start cursing right now. I'm sorry. There is a difference. Now, we talked to Troy Lesane about it. Yes, I get it. Sometimes one-offs, it doesn't affect you, but I can promise you this. From experience, a 1,000 to 1,500 feet difference is a difference. If you think it is not, that's because you have never played the game at this level. You sit on the sideline for a reason, okay? If you have a problem with 6,500 and 5,000 feet and me saying something, change the channel. There are multiple radio broadcasts out there that you can go listen to. You want to talk about altitude? Go fly a kite. Trust me, there's a difference. Back to our regular schedule programming. I'm, I appreciate the fact that you did not drop an F-bomb. Alex, we're okay with shit. We can say shit. Shit is okay. But, you know, it's the F-bombs that start to, you know, get a little bit hairy there. But I'm, I'm proud of you. I love you. We're going to continue to move on. Phoenix Rising. I mean, goodness gracious, what on earth is going on on in the desert? I know exactly what's going on, and I think that you and I both saw this coming from a mile away. It was a little bit hairy a few weeks ago, but they're finally starting to get it. They come away with a 4-1 win at Oklahoma City after a midweek game and going down a man. Joey Farrell gets sent off, double yellow, for a, for a handball on the box that, you know – I, I, Do you I agree with it? Understand. I don't quite understand how you're going to give a yellow there. If you're going to give a card, it's a straight red. 
because he's denying well, he's denying a shot in the penalty area with his, with his hand. Okay, so hang on, but I just want to dissect that for a second. I'm not disagreeing with you. I just want to play devil's advocate on both sides. Do you think that he legitimately puts his hand out? Because I do not. No, I don't. Okay, so I haven't watched this game. I've seen the highlights of the game coming into this. Um, I was off this weekend. I went to a terrible wedding. We'll talk about that later. So I'm watching that. I literally like we're hanging up and I'm watching this game. I watch all the games and then, you know, prep and this and the other. So I didn't see his first yellow in the ninth minute. Did you see it? No, but it was warranted from what I heard. Okay. So you and I have had this discussion multiple times about how if you're going to give a yellow in the fifth, you're going to give it in the 85th. And I get that. There is the human error of it, which you and I have talked about, too, where you are changing the complexion of a game. I, I've totally been with that because I'm, I'm for all of what we just talked about. I'm like, look, if you're going to book him in the 20th minute, you have to book him now. I get that. Watching this back, I don't see intent on it. So I don't understand. To be honest, like, I don't even know. I, I just don't see it as a second yellow. This has nothing to do with you and I doing Phoenix games on a regular basis. I don't see it as a second yellow. You've already given the injury in the sense that now the penalty is put up there and an opportunity, but that's not what happens. You throw them out. That, that doesn't make any sense to me. And from a refereeing standpoint, I don't get it. Now, Sam came on a couple of weeks ago and talked about how, you know, with the, um, your waiver license and how he got 10 out of 20. I would love to be honest, and this is something that you and I are 100% going to go do with our connections. We're going to go get a high profile referee. We're going to go get him. We're going to bring him on here. And we're going to talk about situations like this because it needs to get to a point where the regularity of this starts to show up so that fans can get a better idea. I feel like we've hit too much of a gray area where it's an interpretation of everybody's vision. And like, let's go get Howard Webb or something. I mean, honestly, and and just talk about this because... He yeah. shouldn't have been thrown out in the 29th minute. I, I don't agree with it whatsoever. But to your point, <laughs> I, I, the, the funniest stat was, what was it? They were one nothing with 10, with 11 men, <laughs> three or two. Sorry. Yeah. And then three, one with, with, with 10. <laughs> Ridiculous. Ridiculous. I mean, but that's the thing with Phoenix though, right? Like if you give them more space and if you're going to, and if you're going to throw more numbers at them and give them chances to counter, you're uh, good luck. Really. You open luck. yourselves up. Yeah. You're, you're setting yourself yeah. up to fail. Yeah. Um, while we're on the topic of referees, we did get a couple of tweets and I love that you guys are finally starting to do this because it, it helps us, you know, avoid having to just pull shit from out our ass every single episode and give us a little bit more purpose. But, um, somebody brought up the fact of referees not being able to keep up with the pace of play, because as we've seen since 2017, Devin, um, since we got the official division two status, the, the speed of play has significantly increased from 2017 to now. I think it would almost be unrecognizable. Referees not being yeah. able to keep up. Do you agree with that? They're talking about their actual fitness levels, correct? Well, fitness levels and also just reacting to the, to the speed of play. Because one, if, you're, if you're unable to mentally process what's going on in the field, I feel like that's where the mistakes might come into play. Where is if the, the ball is moving quickly, you know, it's pinballing around the box, it hits Joey Farrell's hand, there's a tackle that you, you know, are, are a little bit unsure of. And if you can't process it quick enough, not only the fitness standpoint, but if you can't process it quick enough, then you're going to end up making decisions because you start second guessing yourself. But yes, the, the fitness level also is a thing. Yeah, I would say that I think I think you and I are in a real precarious situation where we can share our opinion. We also can't beat them up. I know we've been on the referees a lot recently and I want to be careful with that. It's a difficult job. I think it's really easy in general for people to play Monday morning quarterback. Um, and, and just to give you an idea on that, I, I love the passion behind all of this, but I, I saw an interesting thread and it was asking people what their daytime jobs were. They were, they were basically involved in podcasts and asking what their daytime jobs were. And it was like accountant, you know, grocery store manager, lawyer. Um, they they kind of, you know, graphics design analysts, like they kind of ran through everything. And I, and I looked at the thread, not one single person is involved in the game, which goes, which again, it's positive and negative. The positive is, is passion. Amazing. Love it. We need more of it. The negative side of things is, is give these guys a break because you haven't been in their shoes. You have to understand some of it. Yes. We need to be focused on the mistakes and we need to try and get better as a community. But I think a lot of these people are beating these guys up and they have no experience in it whatsoever. I mean, take my background, for instance, you know, I'm, I had an opportunity to play professional for a little while and I got hurt and can't play anymore. The last time I refereed a game, I was 17 years old. Like, 
things change, rules change, the speeds change. So I think we have to be careful there. That being said, I do notice more mistakes being made. I don't necessarily agree with the fitness levels that people are saying about that because you and I, to be honest, we probably actually argue it the other way about how these bad decisions are being made right in front of the referee. You know what I mean? Um, yes. We've, we've actually yeah. brought it up in a broadcast and I'm like, tell me how you get this wrong. When your head referee top of the 18 is right in front of the foul, the AR is right there. You guys have to get this right. And the communication, I wish I saw more of it. Uh, I wish I remember his name. The guy who called the final last year. Um, FA Cup final? I feel like, no, yeah. The the USL <laughs> Cup final. Um, I feel like his last name was Dickerson. Joseph Dickerson, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. He did a great job in the final. He actually called the LAFC San Jose game for the Open Cup that I was on the other day. He was great. There you go. There's a guy who's getting rewarded. And it's, and it's funny that you mentioned that because I haven't seen the likes of Joseph Dickerson around because he's getting rewarded because he's clearly a good referee. And I was and I was Does a, does a good job. Like works that. hard. Yeah, like... Like focus on it. And, and if you're doing something wrong, you need to be punished, not taking your job away, but you said it great. It was either in a tweet or one of your rants, which I love. And I love your passion, but you said it great. And I 100% agree with it. You were along the lines of, if you get it wrong, you should not then be allowed to go out and ref that weekend. You should be the fourth official. You should be put in a linesman position. That is called a downgrade. So for you people at home that don't know, you get paid a different amount pending the position that you're doing. You're not losing your you're not losing your overall financial well-being, but you should not be able to give in another opportunity if you put together a bad performance. One more step on this and then I'll step off. The real curious question is is what are the referee assessors doing here? Because we've been told at the end of every game that a referee assessor sits down with these guys as vocal as fans, coaches, organizations, and even the league last year, they came out and, and wrote an article as vocal as they have been. You cannot tell me that these referees are being given a positive assessment after every single match. So we're off topic a little bit here. Fitness level. I don't agree. Decision-making. Yes. It needs to be taken notice. And if it's a financial thing for the league, because they have to pay better refs, figure out a way to get it done because your, your product is not going to grow without this. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. And, and I think that the only, the only the, the rant that I went on was actually on the last episode that I was where it was just me and stocks. And I just basically said, you need to be held accountable. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing for me because you and I are held accountable at our jobs. You know, if we, if we impact the game negatively, if we're constantly mispronouncing somebody's name, if we're misidentifying goal scores, if we're just not good at our jobs, we're not going to get the games that we've, that we've earned at this point. And that's just life. That's life in any job and, and the jobs that all the, that you mentioned whether it be a grocery store manager, whether it be an accountant, whether it be a graphic design person, whatever it might be, if you don't perform and you make mistakes and you negatively impact those around you, then you're going to be held accountable. That's life at any, at any stop, any stop that you make, whether you're a referee or whatever it might be. But that, that's, that's my biggest thing is I just want referees to be held accountable. That's it. So moving forward, moving forward. What was the last one? Yeah. Phoenix four, one over OKC energy FC. They make it seven in a row. Phoenix winning a lot of games, scoring a lot of goals while they are doing it. Cast them if you can, but I assure you it will be very difficult. Las Vegas Lights FC on the road. My heavens, my stars, my Eric Winalda. Did I ever think that I would say it? They get a win on the road. They get a clean sheet on the road. They take down Mark Lowry's El Paso locomotive, who have been red hot as of late, by a score of 1-0. to They shut down the German slash American slash whatever he may be, Jerome Kiesewetter. My goodness. Did they, what happened? This game, I can tell you exactly what happened. I've already watched it. So Las Vegas Lights got beat up, especially in the second half. I mean, El Paso just pounded, pounded the goalkeeper. And look, inability to, to close things out in the final third is something that El Paso has, has dealt with a little bit here and there. Not a lot, but a little bit. Um, not very efficient, but, but they're really good on the ball. Las Vegas lights. This is how you win on the road. Sometimes it's not the prettiest of performances. You sustain pressure. You go and nick a goal here. Las Vegas lights get a set piece opportunity. They get out in front one nil. They maintain the lead. El Paso can't score. Let's get out of here with three points. Let's get back at it. Take notice. I mean, that's how you get it done. Sometimes you can't always stick to your game plan. This was the most compact that I've seen Las Vegas on the road. I'm not saying they were great because you're still playing a good squad against El Paso, but it's, it's better on the road. One of the things we've heard from Eric when all the squad in the past is he's not going to change who they are, whether it's home or away. How's that worked out for you? Ask El Chalif and Isidro how that worked out in 2018. You got to find a way to tailor your game at certain points in time 
to the opponent and the venue. First time they did it this year. First time they get a road victory. Well done. You have to be tactically flexible. It's 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 the managerial yoga style. You know, you need to go into the downward dog sometimes. And by downward dog, I mean go into that defensive shell on the road and get your three points, find your chi, and get out of there. Roll up your yoga mat and say, okay, job well done. I mean, that's, that's basically what it comes down to. It's the tactical flexibility. And Brett would be upset with us if we didn't ask the question. And I love that guy. And he, he was so incredible on this show. And I love his passion. But are they starting to realize in Vegas that, you know what, as much as we want to be high-flying Charlie, you know, champagne Charlie, spang dangle, when we're at home and score goals and just go after the game, maybe on the road we should be a little bit different in how we go about things. I'm just asking the question, and I think that that game against El Paso and given their poor run of form as of late, I think that that's an answer of, yes, maybe they are going to be a bit more tactically flexible moving forward. Do you agree with yeah, that? Yeah, I, 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 to, to make it simple, I agree. It's your if you look at all the good teams around the league, they will all tell you that you look at all the good coaches around the league. They will say one of two things. We stick to our guns. We are who we are, meaning we want to do this. We want to do this. Obviously you want to impose your style on another team. However, whether it be the venue, the pitch, the players, you have to adjust. If not, you're just stupid. I mean, you're chasing your tail. Okay. Definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting the same result. I mean, what were they doing? No, the same thing over and over again, and they were getting losses. Expecting a different result. Expecting a different doing result. Doing the same thing. Expecting yeah, yeah. The same thing yeah, yeah. over and exactly. over again, and, and expecting the same result. That's 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 what you do, more or less. On that's right. Yeah, a squared plus. Hey, I get it. A squared plus c squared equals go fuck yourself. Okay, go. Well, you know what? That that was unnecessary because I don't know if that. No, was it wasn't. That no, it wasn't. It's simple mathematics. Moving on. Oh, goodness. All right. How about this one from Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California, New Mexico United, Los Dos, 1-1. Can you say open cup hangover? And can you also say we had another person tweeted us and asked us a question that they wanted us to discuss on this podcast. I love it. Is it worth it for these teams to put all their eggs in Lamar Hunt's basket and then not win? Is that okay? I'm going to start off by saying, look at FC Cincinnati. They didn't win. I, I, I hate to bring up anything positive about FC Cincinnati right now because they're getting waxed in league play. They just lost to St. Louis FC in the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. But from where they've gotten as a franchise, from getting that MLS expansion spot, you could say that that was on the backs of that U.S. Open Cup run. And I do think it's worth it. And I was on the, the, the Curse podcast last night with RJ and David, and we, we had to talk about this. And... These are moments for the fans, for the players that they're going to cherish for the rest of their life. Think about the fans in New Mexico United who traveled to Dick's Sporting Goods Park and got to witness that Kevon Freider equalizer in the 94th minute and then got to see their side beat a major league soccer team at Dick's Sporting Goods, one of the most recognizable franchises, even though they haven't been great over the past few years in the Rapids. Take them down and move on to a round of 16. Think about the fans at Worldwide Technology Soccer Park, who got to witness Sam Fink's header in stoppage time to beat SC Cincinnati, a former USL championship opponent now in the MLS. Think about what that means to those fans and what that meant for Sam Fink to be able to send them through to a quarterfinal. I mean, these are moments that you're not going to be able that you that, that teams may not get in their lifetime, that fans might not get in their lifetime. And yes, you are going to drop points in the league. It's inevitable because you're a second division team and the resources that you have at your disposal aren't anywhere close to the major league soccer teams. However, I will say this, is that you need to be careful with what's going to happen after the fact because not only are you going to experience a drop of form in the league while the cup run is going on, but you're also going to experience it once, it, once it's done. Because if you, you and I have seen in CONCACAF Champions League with MLS teams that make a deep run, the, the, the fall in form doesn't just stay within that realm of, of when they're playing. It's followed other teams as well. It's followed Sporting Kansas City. It followed Toronto FC last year because you're making this unbelievably emotional cup run in the middle of the season, and then you're forced to go just back into league play and sort of back into this monotonous schedule with games that, of course, matter. But how do you really put a Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup quarterfinal next to a league game on the road against Los Dos? How do you, how do you compare those two in the moment? You can't. You can't. 
but I, I do think it's 100% worth it because these moments are fantastic, and it's just a great look for the club. And if you do have aspirations of perhaps getting a major league soccer expansion, you know, franchise, then the, the, this is how you gain, you know, this is how you gain clout within the soccer community. This is how you show the entire U.S. Soccer Federation that you guys are here to stay and you built something special. And that's exactly what New Mexico United have done. That's exactly what St. Louis have done. You know, you know, one of them is obviously vying much harder for a major league soccer franchise than the other, but. I do think it's 100% worth it, even though you might drop league points. But for New Mexico, obviously in their inaugural season, the last thing you want to do is sort of write yourself off in the league. I don't think that that's what's going to happen, but I do think it's worth it. I'm with you. I don't think it's going to happen. I 100% think it's worth it. And let's just dissect, I'll do it quickly, the three games. Sacramento Republic at home, loss. At Las Vegas Lights, loss. And then on the road tie against Los Dos. The Los Dos one... Um, I'll get into that because it's the last one. And I want to tell you what Troy LaSaint said to us about the previous two. If you take a look at the lineups against what went on the field versus Sacramento Republic and Las Vegas lights, with all due respect to the players on the field, it was their B team. And I made an allusion to that before. It's the guys that aren't getting as much rotation in the starting 11 on a regular basis as normal. And also their squad is not very deep in general. They don't carry a lot of players. The only person who's been on the field for every single game is Cody Mizell. Everybody else is basically a rotation. So you look at the midfield here, Akamatsu, Muhammad, Soler, Estrada. Soler, Muhammad, Estrada, all three of them bench players. Ryan Williams, bench player, played up top with Freighter. You take, and that, that game's done, they lose 3-0. Okay, fine. So let's move on to the Vegas game. You have Madden, who played central midfielder. Muhammad, again, that's two. Estrada, three. Ryan Williams, four. I'm not even going to the back line. You include the back line, which Manny Padilla has been in out, but he got starts. That's five. You're looking at five to six players coming in roster rotation off of an open cup game with high energy and emotion that has accounted for a lackluster performance and a loss. I don't care. Take it. You're resting your starters and that's fine. The biggest talking point here is what Troy Lassine said. He said, I learned something. I asked him, I said, if you could talk to yourself now from the beginning of the year or at the beginning of this run in roster rotation, what would you say? He said, I would handle basically what he calls like his big three, big four better. And I didn't understand that. I said, what do, what do you mean by that? And he goes, look, I can't take Devin Sandoval and Freighter and Santi Moar and Chris Weehan. I can't have three or four of those guys off the field at the same time. I had least have to have two and maybe three. We had three this weekend. Sorry, you had four because Chris did play. So you had four of your starting 11. This is a low stose team that is better in 2019. It is very different. It's actually going back to what you saw not the same dominance in their run in 2016, but still a good team and even better at home. Only two losses on the year against some really good squads. So you're challenging a good team on the road, roster rotation. I was actually quite surprised that he played all four of them, to be honest. But I guess based upon the recent rotation, he wanted to keep them fresh. Nobody should have a cause for concern if you're New Mexico United. Nobody around the league should think that they're having a drop in form right now. If you think that, you're stupid. You don't watch enough games. You have to look at their performances in general, okay, and their rotation. That's really simple to see because if you take them against in their Open Cup games, they've been great, especially against the opponents. And, yeah, sometimes there's been up and downs, but tactically, they find a way. They, they figure out a way to shift. We just talked about that with Las Vegas, where maybe you're not being able to play your strong points. That's fine. They found a way to move things around get out in front, get equalizers, get winners, whatever it is, they're finding a way to do it. And one thing you didn't mention, and I agreed with everything you said, this is a business. And at the end of the day, you're building a brand and they're doing it yeah. in their first year in a quality type of style, not just talking about their footballing form, but there's dramatics on and off the field. They have charismatic players. They've had ups, they've had downs. Their community is rallying around behind them. You have people subsidizing planes to get them out to Minnesota. I mean, come on. This is awesome. We saw that. It was $280 for a round-trip ticket, a ticket to the game, a goodie bag, and transportation to and from the stadium. I'm sorry. Like, that is ridiculously amazing. amazing. It is insane. And you should – if you are a person in New Mexico who has never seen a game, don't go to the next home match. You are waiting too long. Get on a plane – Throw your family, throw your friends, throw a friend, bring a stuffed animal. Who cares? Go see this because it will be the trip of a lifetime, win or lose. It's a really, really cool opportunity. Well, they are going to be without Kevon Freighter as they take on Minnesota United in the quarterfinals of Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. But we'll see if they can be able to get it done.
we'll move on, and we're going to have to move relatively quickly because I doubt the football-loving maniacs want to listen to an hour-and-a-half-long podcast, although maybe who knows at this point. Sacramento Republic. I mean, when I said tough Tulsa Roughneck, tough Tulsa Roughnecks before, I meant it. 6-0 on the road against Sacramento at Papa Murphy's Park as they just put up half a dozen against Michael Lency and Simon. And to wrap up week number 16, RGV fall to Austin Bold in a little Copa Tejas by a score of 1-0. Marcelo Serrano's side come away with three points. And right now, if you take a look at the standings, Austin Bold sitting comfortably inside the playoff line at 23 points. And by comfortable, I mean not comfortable at all, especially in the Western Conference. Phoenix Rising leading everyone by five points over Portland Timbers to they are six points clear of El Paso as well as New Mexico. Fresno were able to get three points. They're, com- they're sitting in fifth place. Sacramento back up to sixth after they stumbled a little bit. Um, Reno obviously dropping points against Phoenix at the midweek and are currently sitting in seventh place, but very interesting as far as the West is concerned. And, you know, we did mention before how we thought that it probably wasn't going to be a side that pokes their head out and sort of emerges and the cream rises to the top. However, Phoenix are, are proving us wrong in that department at the moment. Um, I don't want to harp on the standings too long because, again, we do need to move through um, the, the coming week. Over in the Eastern Conference, Tampa Bay Rowdies, three points clear of Indy 11, who have put four wins in a row together. Rowdies, who win two games without a win, finally get one back against Bethlehem. New York Rebels, too, suffered that 3-0 loss against the Pittsburgh Riverhouse, but they still sit in third place. Nashville in fourth, Carolina in fifth, Louisville currently sitting in sixth on 25 points. Back-to-back champions might not be sitting comfortably in that number one seed this year, but only time will tell. St. Louis have not gotten a win at least in their last five, and they have 20 points, only four points clear of Bethlehem, who's on 16, but you know, the, the drop-off from a playoff team to not a playoff team is much, much, much more significant in the Eastern Conference than in the West, no? It's a different style. There's just... You know, I chatted with Darren Powell this week and from San Antonio, and he's just like, he's like, it's crazy how different things are in the East compared to the West. I thought the Indy result was nice for them um, real quick because they're three points behind Tampa, but they have two games in hand. Ottawa, same thing. Ottawa would be tied, um, or excuse me, in front of Red Bull right now um, with their games in hand. And St. Louis has only played 13 games. St. Louis, by the way, hasn't gotten a win in over five matches. They're 0-3-2. So you talk 0-3-2 or 0-2-3, regardless. No wins in five matches. So they're on their Open Cup uh, little run as well. Bob Lilly, eight goals in two games. Ten and three. What's going on in Pittsburgh, man? They're actually starting to focus on some attacking play and training instead of, you know, 99% defending. It's really exciting to see. Really exciting. All right, let's move on to week number 17. Holy crap, that's not right, is it? That's right. Oh, God. We just did 16. How did we get, how did we get to this point in the year? How did we get here? Lack of sleep, long nights, time is, longer days. Time is not, a bitch. not enough quality time, time together. Our long romantic walks on the beach are pretty much over with, if you notice. Well, that's because you got married recently. So I, no, it's I because know. you closed down Dania Beach Bar and Grill. <laughs> oh, my God. Stop. I don't want to talk about that. That's still a I know you're really upset. Okay, let's keep going. I'm with you. Let's go. All right. Week number 17, Wednesday, June 26th, which is going to be 24 hours from when this podcast is being recorded. Indy 11 will play host to Birmingham Legion FC as Indy are looking to continue to make a push for the top spot. Ottawa Fury, after that 3-3 draw against Nashville, will play host to Mike Anheuser and the Charleston Battery. I do like what I'm seeing from Ottawa so far. How about this one? Nashville and New York Rebels, too. I smell a potential playoff fixture. Nashville, looking for three points. New York Rebels, too, trying to bounce back after getting embarrassed by Bob Lilly and the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Copa Tejas, San Antonio FC, and El Paso Locomotive. That game will be from Toyota Field. El Paso trying to right the ship after their loss against Las Vegas Lights. San Antonio desperate for three points. Portland Timbers, too, coming off of that great win on the road against Braden Cloutier's Orange County at Championship Park. They will return home to Providence Park to take on Reno after they lost 3-0 against Phoenix at the midweek. Friday, June 28th, the Fighting Jimmy Nielsen's at Hartford Athletic will look to take down a young, eager, stingy Brendan Burke Bethlehem Steel sign coming off of a loss against the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Loudon United, after a bye week, will take on Atlanta United 2 in a battle of the MLS 2 teams from Audi Field. 
Let's move to Saturday. The Charlotte Independence, the Jacks, the Fighting Mike Jeffries will take on the Fighting Tim Mulqueens from the Sportsplex and Matthews as Mike Jeffries coming off of that 1-1 draw against Louisville. And then Louisville is going to be on the road against Indy 11. Now, I would say Trace's take, but I kind of want to do a Western Conference game because I feel like we haven't done a Trace's take with a Western Conference team yet. So we're going to hold off on that one, but a very, very, very good fixture from Lucas Oil Stadium. North Carolina FC is going to welcome Gary Smith and Nashville to Salem Stadium at Wake Med Soccer Park in what should be a very, very good game. So two juicy fixtures to look forward to in the Eastern Conference. Charleston Battery and New York Rebels, too. Oh, excuse me, I passed over one. Pittsburgh Riverhounds and Birmingham Legion. That game is going to be from Highmark Stadium. Bob Lilly and the group trying to build off of that offensive performance against New York Rebels, too. Speaking of John Wolnick and Rebels, too, the Baby Bulls, as it were, will be traveling to Mike Anheuser and the Charleston Battery. Tampa Bay Rounties and Ottawa Fury. Very good matchup there. I smell a potential playoff fixture as well. Neil Collins looking to build off that 2-1 win against Bethlehem as they were able to get back into the win column against a Nikola Popovich team that is playing some good football at the moment. Marcelo Serrano and Austin Bold FC are going to welcome Colorado Springs switch back to town, not at altitude. That game will be from Bold Stadium, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time kickoff this Saturday night. Orange County, a battle of the, what, what's, what's California? What state is that? Now, help me out here. Do you know? It's not the Sunshine State. Not the show. The bears. State, I don't know. The golden bears, the high state taxes, the, the, gold, the, golden, the golden gate. Is it the golden gate state? That's, that's, that's San Francisco. That's um, no, but I'm I know that that's San Francisco, but it could, I don't know. Good. Look that up while you're sitting over there doing nothing. All right. Tulsa rough. I'm doing Miami a lot over here. <laughs> Tulsa rough. This will play out to the Rion Monarchs. That game will not be at altitude either, but it will be at one Oh field at 30 PM. Eastern time kickoff as well. Fresno coming off of their win against San Antonio will take on Mark Lowry and El Paso locomotive from Chuck Chancey baseball field fixture. We'll see if the sod has taken Las Vegas lights. FC will return home after their road win against Mark Lowry and El Paso locomotive to take on Steve cook and OKC energy FC who are struggling a little bit. They're starting to have a little bit of a Lamar Hunt U S open cup hangover as well. Coming off of that embarrassing performance against Phoenix at home in which Phoenix won four, one down a man. And then Phoenix rising will welcome Portland timbers too to Casino, Arizona field after a six-point road trip for Rick Schantz's boys. And that is going to be a battle of number one and number two in the Western Conference. And, Devin, I'm happy to say that you and I will both be back on the call for that game after missing a number of Phoenix fixtures. And then Reno is going to play host to Sacramento Republic from Greater Nevada Field Sunday. We have Swill Park Rangers playing host to St. Louis FC after they are coming off of a win in the U.S. Open Cup, a draw in league play. Traces take, Phoenix and Portland Timbers. Get that mangy mutt out here, Devin, so we can do a little Traces take. All right, I got to get him. And while we're doing that, because he's outside running around causing crazy stuff, stay with me. Between California's explosive growth following the discovery of gold in 1848, the fields of golden poppies that appear each spring throughout the state, the Golden Gate Bridge, and the clear golden coastal sunsets over the Pacific, California truly is the golden state. So I was not right, but I was close. I said Golden Gate State. That's silly. Why would it be the Golden Gate State? Oh, I wish you could see him right now. (laughs) What are you doing, doing? dude? (laughs) He's outside the kitchen door, laying in the sun, like, you know, underneath the mango tree, just chilling. Trace, come on. Come here. Trace, it's take time. I'm going to put you on mute for a second. Hang on. Sure, go ahead. Talk to the fans. About I, something I, had, I know I was just about to say, I wish, I wish I had some sort of like hold music for the fans or like, you know, I could talk in like a really high pitched voice and say next time on three honest lads, listen, I'm a Devin song or Sam. Sing for a second. I want to hear you sing. No, I'm not going to, they don't want to hear me sing. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that. I, I tell you what, I, I am looking forward to this, to this slate of fixtures this weekend. I have been missing some USL championship in my life. It's been a long week. It's it's been a it's been a it's been a long and grueling summer thus far, and we're not even halfway through. We very much are in the dog days of of the summer. Kevin is 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 Just beaten down. Clock, nine, not even ninety seconds, like twenty seconds. M- mentally mentally unstable, I think is the right word that we would use for Devin at this point in the season. Trying to get his dog to do this traces take that 
you know, he needs to bounce back after, after a bye week, after not doing it, obviously, when Sam was in my apartment, and then after that loss that he, that he suffered his first loss. You know, this is, this is a dog that, you know, needs to show a bit more bite than bark at the moment. All right, and, shut up. I've had enough. For... <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Navigating us through the, the troubled waters that is Trace's life. All right, here we go. Trace. Oh, what's up, buddy? I think we should include a picture this week so people understand yeah, exactly what dumpster yeah. fire is headed that way. Yep. We'll post that on the, on a non-existent Trace, account. account. I'm going to pose this question to you, football loving maniac. Should we get an Instagram account? I, I think it's I think it's a lot of thrill in the sports industry to to get an Instagram account. However, yeah. if we were to start to get if we were to start to get guests, you know, like like in person, live and in person, then it would be kind of cool. But nobody wants to see just pictures of like me, you, Stockley, and Trace. Which one? Which one? Come here. Which one do you want? Doesn't want either or one. John or Cam Knowles. He doesn't. He doesn't want either one. Is the game going to be delayed? Is it going to be abandoned? Is he? Is Come he foreshadowing here. something? Come get this. Not aware of. Come here. He's staring. Trace, figure this out. He's staring. He's balking. Oh, boy. He's delaying. Can give him a card for time wasting. It's ridiculous. Which one? Which one? Which one? You can have it. It's okay. He's like nervous that I'm going to take it from him. Oh, wow. He's just like going back and forth. He's never done this before. Oh, so it's and is that what you're doing? It's called a draw. He's calling no. a draw. No, he's he's really smelling right now. Give it a second. Yeah, back and forth. Oh, what are you doing? Which one? Oh, boom, boom, boom. What do we got? I'm sending you a picture. Remember, we're recording right now. We can't have the normal conversations that we're having right now. Who did he choose? He chose Phoenix, dude. All right, he chose Phoenix. He's saying that we're coming. But it was, fu- it was funny what he did. Again. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Then he, like, came over, sniffed it, grabbed it with high velocity of that chump, and then threw it down on the ground. I'm like, all right, I picked it. Now give me a cookie. I gave you a cookie. You're welcome. <laughs> he picked Phoenix. He has Phoenix over T2. All right, he's got Phoenix over T2, Trace trying to redeem himself after a tough go of it with Trace's take as of late, not only with the loss, but of course, you know, the bye week and, and taking another week off as well. But that's going to do it for this episode of To Be Honest Lads. Devin, anything for the football-loving maniacs before we let them go? I have a story about Trace's take because I utilized him for my league picks this week. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not sure if that should be public knowledge, but hey, I was I was having a good week. I was enjoying myself. I had been picking well, and... Trace said he wanted to be involved. I wrote all my picks down on paper. What I would have done, I would have gone four and one. Instead, I let Trace pick. He went two and three. Dog is in poor form right now. He picked Austin over RGV at RGV. Go figure. I mean, (laughs) he also picked, he picked Colorado Springs over Real Monarchs. He picked North Carolina and Ottawa. And he picked Chattanooga. He got the Chattanooga game right because we had to pick a league one game. I legitimately had, I would have gotten the Austin game wrong because I had Chattanooga draw Draw, Real Monarchs, draw. So I would have gotten the Austin game wrong. All right. So you're mediocre as well. But football loving me. Birds of a feather flock together, my friend. Yeah, whatever. Find us on Twitter, at Three Honest Lads. Hit us up on email, threehonestlads at gmail.com. We haven't gotten a real email yet. Does anybody want to be the first person to send us an email that, like, isn't, you know, one of these, you know, podcasts? outlet people who's trying to get us to sign up for their BS. Somebody send us a freaking email, okay? Make, you know, make me feel like it was worthwhile to take the three minutes out of my life to set up that email account. Good Lord. We love you. Goodbye. Peace out.